Hello and welcome back to another episode of Making It. My name is Mirabelle, and this is a solo Q&A podcast episode. I got a couple questions from you guys. I put out a call for questions for this Q&A podcast episode, and I put it out onto Discord, Instagram, and all that. So, without further ado, um, let's get started with some Discord questions. Heather asks... Do you get negative comments slash feedback? And if so, how do you deal with them? And I do. Um, I do sometimes on more so on Twitch while I'm streaming live, which is a little bit harder to deal with. I mean, it depends on the day. Like if I am having an off day, sometimes I'll call people out or sometimes I can just ignore it and and honestly, we have some incredible mods, moderators in the Twitch chat, and they just delete those messages and ban the people um, or time people out, uh, which is a really nice tool. Or like they'll catch messages before I even see them and they delete them, which is amazing. So that's pretty much how I deal with those. I try to just shrug it off because, you know, it's more on them, like maybe they're not having a great day or maybe that's just the way they are because of their life situation. I don't know. The context of their life maybe is what caused them to decide they want to be disrespectful to others, which, you know, it's not ideal, but that's kind of how it is sometimes. And so you can't really take in everything that they say and believe it to be true. From William, who inspires you to make music the most? I will say probably my mom, first and foremost, uh, because I was born into this musical environment. My mom's a musician. And so growing up, just there's always been music around. She taught us, uh, my brother and I, Gujin, the Chinese zither growing up and piano and so like music heavily influenced my childhood basically um because of my mom and continuing that um well I picked up guitar taught myself guitar because Avril Lavigne <laughs> so I basically wanted to be Avril so I was skating with my cousin growing up a lot and then taught myself guitar because you know all of that was really cool um so Avril Lavigne's been a huge influence also, and Kina Granis, she's been a huge inspiration for my music, and actually, I will also say Kina for another answer. I feel like these questions kind of tie into each other, so Carver asked, who would be your dream act or acts to open for, and then Thomas said, if you got to share billing with one other artist slash band, who would your dream marquee be? So to answer all of the above, I'm just going to say Kina Granis, which a lot of you already knew that answer. So there you go. Another question from William is, where do you get your ideas for lyrics? Do you get inspired by other musicians, what other musicians write about, or do you just write entirely from your own thoughts? For the latter, how do you decide what should be written into a song and what should be kept to yourself? I would say the latter. I just write entirely from my own thoughts, basically my own experiences and how do you decide what should be written into a song and what should be kept to yourself? Well, I think pretty much everything gets put into a song, um, but whether or not I share that is another thing. 
Chris asks, what is your creative process for songwriting like? Do you usually start with lyrics first or does it vary by song? And I guess I'll kind of tie that in with William's last question um, where I basically write from my own experiences and writing songs is kind of like journaling for me. Um, It's just, it's a way for me to express my thoughts and feelings and that's how I can let myself be vulnerable. Um, and I, it kind of works out really well that people don't necessarily know. Like, it's vague enough that if I don't explain the backstory behind a song, people will have their own interpretations and can still relate and connect to my music, which is very cool. I usually start writing with an instrument in hand, and that's typically guitar. And I'll just be playing some chords and humming along and, you know, maybe I'll come up with a little guitar riff or I have a melody, like a vocal line, Um, but I don't typically write lyrics first. Like, I don't have words first. That usually comes either together with the music or after. Chris asks, what got you into photography slash videography and what do you like the most about it? What do you find the most challenging about it? And who are your photographic inspirations? (laughs) I think I got started into photography just because like my parents had nice camera. um, And I was really curious to how to use it. And I love just playing around with technology, with gear and all that stuff. So I dabbled in that. I knew nothing about photography or like how to use a DSLR camera kind of thing. But maybe more in recent years because of YouTube and all of that, there's a niche of photographer slash filmmaker YouTubers. Um, we had a couple on the podcast and there will be more. But, you know, people like Becky and Chris, Donna Did It, those people put out tutorials on, on camera, on photography, on camera. <laughs> they do tutorials on camera. They do tutorials on photography and camera gear and, you know, they do all these reviews, they do editing tutorials. So like there's a lot of information out there and they make it super fun and entertaining. They are quite inspirational. Peter McKinnon's up there, Lizzie Pierce, Chris Howe, just all of these people, everybody on YouTube who does photography and filmmaking content. (laughs) Here's a question from DJ. Do you think about the lyrics at all when listening the first few times? And in brackets, when do you begin paying attention to the lyrics and trying to understand the meaning behind them? I think it depends on who I'm listening to. Like if it's a song by artists who I follow and I deeply enjoy and like all of their music means something to me, I definitely do listen to their lyrics the first time through and I like, I pay attention to the lyrics, um, but if it's a song, a song someone recommends, I guess I don't actually pay attention that much to the lyrics, and I'm just listening more to to the vibe of it, to the groove and all of that. Yeah, that's kind of interesting. DJ also asked, why do you think you gravitate to so many sad bops? Which is a great question. <laughs> um, I think it's just my personality that draws me to sad bops. I'm a pretty quiet person. I don't really say a whole lot. Pretty calm usually also. So like, I think that's just the nature of why I gravitate towards sad bops because sad bops are generally also calm, 
chill and I guess sad. I'm not always sad. I got to put that out there. I'm not I'm not sad or depressed like all the time. I'm just it just feels good. It feels it just feels nice. It's very calm and relaxing. Another question from DJ is um about, you know, comparison of myself at the beginning of my Twitch journey compared to now. And Eric also asked something similar. So I'm just going to bunch those two together. Eric asked, these days you could wonder whether your stream will have thousands of viewers or merely hundreds. How do you remember the time when you wondered whether you could stream at all? How do you connect to that mirror bell? It's pretty crazy how far we've come. And I say we because I definitely would not be in the position I am with my Twitch channel and with all the music stuff that I'm doing without the community behind it. And that community was pretty much built through Twitch. Um, so I really appreciate you guys for sticking around, returning to all my streams and all of that, and hang out in the Discord. It's been really nice to get to know all of you, first of all. And by the way, <laughs> merely hundreds, that's still a lot of people. It's pretty crazy to think that a year and a half ago or so, I had maybe seven people <laughs> in my stream chatting I've definitely been the same person this whole time. I think it's just that streaming has accentuated parts of me that maybe I haven't been so open in sharing before. I've had family and friends comment on how it's kind of weird to be in a stream because they've had this, they've always known this specific side of me. But when I'm streaming, I definitely feel a little bit more open, which is kind of crazy because there are lots of strangers on the internet. <laughs> but I do feel myself being more open and chatting more and sharing more of my thoughts and ideas with people on stream. And so I've had people comment on like, it's kind of weird to see that side of me because they've never seen that before. And with that, Gokane asked, how do you feel about sharing so much of you and your life with imaginary people on the internet? And, you know, it's been pretty fun actually. I am a little bit wary about how much I do share. Sometimes I think that I'm oversharing um, and maybe I should reel it in a little bit, but it's been nice because I've been able to connect with so many of you by being a little bit more vulnerable and by sharing so much. You guys also share a lot of your life with me and that's the coolest thing ever. Gokane also asked, if money wasn't relevant, would you rather be a bigger streamer, let's say 1k plus average viewers, or are you fine with where you stand now? Any takes on the influence money has over the relationship streamers have with viewers, independently of numbers, just the fact that it exists at all? If money wasn't relevant, I mean, I'm still fine with where I am now, with my average number of viewers, and I am fine with my average number of viewers from a year ago and when I started I think I think because I've been able to connect with people through the chat you know whatever size the audience is it's just that it's just the fact of connecting and chatting from Carver what places would you want to tour as a musician though obviously you could sightsee as well <laughs> we would love to go to Europe because I have not been there yet um I don't have like a specific place in mind but you know, the UK, France, Austria, I don't know, places like that are really 
pretty and i would love to visit i would love to uh do a tour there that sounds like a fun idea if for some reason you couldn't play music for an extended time what would you do with your days instead i can't even imagine not being able to play music for for a period of time or like for forever i feel like i have to i have to make music every day um i mean i would probably do some photography go out take some pictures I would probably try to pick up a new skill or a new craft, but I don't like that question because I don't want to think about not being able to play music. Thomas asks, how many projects are you currently working on? I have a couple. <laughs> well, this podcast is one. I'm working on a lot of new music and, you know, some compositions, so just instrumental music and then also some songs. Um... I do also have a couple collabs that I want to do, so, you know, however many projects that is. Tasha asks, what is the most frustrating part about being a songwriter? I think the most frustrating part is when you get a writer's block and knowing that you want to create, but you just can't get anything out. Daniel asks, how are you able to be so kind and inviting while interacting with other people? I don't know how to be rude to people basically i don't know how to well why not why why not be inviting and kind to people i just answered the question with a question <laughs> what use is it if you if you just hate on somebody the moment you interact with them i don't understand that you never know what somebody's going through, and if you're able to send them, give them a little bit of love, a little bit of, show them a little bit of kindness, I think that could go a long way, and so why not be kind and inviting to other people? This question's from Alpaca Hockey. When and where will the inaugural Mirabelle Con be? <laughs> I would love to have a little Mirabelle Con in the mountains, so if you guys are okay with traveling to the mountains then would love to have you i one day we'll make it happen one day we'll make a mirabelle con happen i don't know if we'll call it mirabelle con um but we'll make sure to have some sort of con that sounds really fun this question comes from samson as you're writing your music do you ever worry about the possible trade-off between a song's specificity to your personal experience and the audience's ability to relate to it if so how do you try to make your music appeal to a general audience without sacrificing authenticity if not why do you think artists need to not worry about balancing authenticity and relatability i guess i don't really worry about the trade-off because that's not where my music stems from. I guess it's kind of selfish that in a way that like the music that I write, it just comes from me and it really all started out for me pretty much. I don't really write with the idea of wanting people to listen to it. I just write to get my thoughts and feelings out. I can see though, if you want to be a pop star kind of thing, um, then you kind of have to know what is relatable to the general audience that can reach more people. And that typically, as you mentioned, is, you know, love and heartbreak, that kind of thing. These are all lived experiences that the majority of people experience. So I think that if you're genuine, if you're authentic with your music, 
people will relate to it no matter what because we're all human. So people will find you. The right people will connect with you. And I'm seeing that with my music and it's been amazing. <laughs> Fong asks, if you would have to choose between videography, photography, and music, which one would you pick to do professionally as a hobby and eliminate completely from your life? <laughs> why do you, why, why do you do this to me? I think I would choose music as the hobby because then there's no possibility of, you know, like feeling burnt out because you're trying to balance work and play, I guess, with music. Um, and then I would choose videography to do professionally and eliminate photography because, well, technically video is just a whole bunch of frames of photo put together right so maybe that's cheating but video is technically photo <laughs> i also think that just video there's more life to it and that's what i love about video it captures more of the essence of like what's happening in the room and so i guess i would choose videography to do professionally and then get rid of photography <laughs> okay we got some questions from Instagram as well, and then I guess we'll wrap it up there. This question is from Mace, Mace Jams on Twitch, by the way. He asked, why is it called making it? Great question. <laughs> I came up with making it because it has two meanings. Um, making it as in being a creator and you are physically, you're, you're making something. And on this podcast, I talked to creatives entrepreneurs and all that so people are making things and it's very cool making it can also mean you are successful or getting gaining success from what you're doing and i think that falls under the theme of who i talk to on the podcast so so yeah making it has that double meaning he also asked what podcasts do you like to listen to have you heard of making it making it is a pretty cool podcast you can listen to it on spotify apple you can watch it on YouTube. <laughs> In all seriousness, though, I listen to ABG, stands for Asian Boss Girl, uh, hosted by Mel, Janet, and Helen. They kind of just talk about everything. <laughs> they talk a lot about life, about, you know, being three Asian American women in their 20s, 30s, and kind of what life is like. They also talk to a lot of professionals other Asian Americans too, in the field of kind of everything, in the medical field, in the creative field, the film world, and it's quite interesting to hear their takes. I also listened to the Colin and Samir show, where basically they talk to a bunch of creators and they break down creators and their businesses and, you know, what makes them successful and all of that stuff. So it's really interesting stuff. This question's from Megan. What's your favorite instrument and why is it viola? From Kate, what do you wish to achieve with your music? I think it's just to have people be able to relate or connect with the music or through the music, just to bring people some sense of comfort knowing that we're not alone in these experiences. I think that's pretty much it. From ABC Hockey, what gear did you start with for your streaming and what advice do you have now you wish you had before? I started streaming with my Audio-Technica 4040 that was run into 
a Behringer mixer and then into this digital recorder slash interface that I would connect to my computer. I'm not sure if there's anything I know now that I wish I knew back then when I started because I had a lot of help from Ron, who is one of my mods. Ron really got me started with all the tech side of things with OBS and all of that. So, so there's not much that I wish I knew, honestly. <laughs> from Nightbat, who I always call Nightbot on Twitch, how do you convince yourself every day that you're, what you're doing is what you're meant to do in life? I just can't imagine doing anything else. Nothing else fulfills me as much as music does, as much as creating does. And so that's gotta mean something. <laughs> this question is from Nancy. What was the biggest obstacle in making the podcast? What is one major takeaway or lesson learned? What would you do differently? I think the biggest obstacle in making the podcast was myself and like my mindset um, about it because I felt very awkward in about speaking to people and having these conversations and honestly you could probably tell in like the first couple episodes I felt kind of awkward. I had like a bunch of questions but I feel like now I know how to kind of guide the conversation better or come up with questions on the spot if we happen to go off on a tangent to something else that's really interesting. So the biggest obstacle is really just me and getting started one of the big takeaways is that podcast editing takes a minute. It takes a long time, <laughs> especially when these episodes are like at least an hour long and it's a video podcast as well. So I think I know now the kind of timeline it takes for me to edit these episodes and so I can get them out weekly. I think I know how to plan it better. Tying that into what you would do differently, I would just plan my editing schedule a little bit better so that I don't have to procrastinate. I think one of the other big lessons or takeaway is just that like I know how to talk to people now. <laughs> I or at least I feel more comfortable doing so. So I'm not so worried about how I'm coming off or if I miss a question or, you know, I I feel more comfortable just chatting to people and just asking about their experiences, listening to their stories and all of that. So the podcast has been really helpful in that way. All right, well, that wraps up the solo Q&A podcast episode. I hope you enjoyed that. I'm sorry if I missed any questions. Um, maybe we can do a part two of this. But yeah, I hope you learned a little bit more about me and I hope this was kind of entertaining. <laughs> maybe we could just do a Q&A session between all of the seasons. If you're not caught up with the episodes, there's a whole season, 10 episodes that you can go listen to right now on all the streaming platforms or on YouTube. Hopefully season two will come sooner than later. And I guess I'll see you around online. All the links to my socials are in the descriptions. I will see you soon.